Rodgers does this better than anybody. End zone, Cobb, touchdown! Unbelievable! Steps up. Long look, and he's got Hilton for the touchdown! Welcome back, everybody. I'm Randy along with Adam. This is Oblivious Sports. Glad to bring you guys another episode here. It's going to be a fun one. We're going to hit a little bit of the NFL here with some of the head coaching decisions that have now been finalized. Talk about that and what that's really going to mean just a little bit. And then we're going to go into our MLB offseason recaps as well. Talk a little about the over and unders there. See what we're thinking as far as that goes. We'd love to see what you guys think afterwards as well. But it's been a busy time after the Super Bowl here very quickly, especially for uh, some of the Philadelphia coordinators. Yeah, absolutely. Now that all the head coaching vacancies have been finalized, we're going to touch on those. And uh, let's go ahead and talk about the first one that was hired in Frank Reich. Um, Obviously, former Colts head coach. Uh, I love the guy for the Colts. I didn't think he had the fire that Jim Irsay wanted from his head coaching. Um, but in the end, he is a very smart, offensive-minded uh, coach. Obviously, he worked with Carson Wentz and the Eagles within that Super Bowl. Uh, Nick Foles, when he went off against the Patriots, um, I think he's going to be great, along with uh, Jim Caldwell. They brought in Avero from the Broncos, the defensive coordinator. I think he's really bringing along his great uh, head coaching staff and all around him I think it's going to be great for the Panthers I think that he is just what they need over there I think when they bring in a potential new young quarterback this year Frank Reich's going to be really good for him as well it'll be interesting to see how well they do especially in a really weak division like they're in I mean they could be a playoff team with how bad that division is yeah absolutely especially with uh the departure of you know, Tom Brady and sorts like that. Uh, it just in the NFC in general. Um, obviously losing Tom Brady is going to help out the Panthers. Um, the, what I think for the outlook for them, I think personally they're going to hit the draft for their quarterback. I think they're done trading for quarterbacks. And I think the quarterback that's going to fall into their lap is Anthony Richardson from Florida, the, uh, guy with all the tools, uh, not so much experience playing the game. Obviously, one full season under him, but he was electric, has all the tools you could want. Some of his stats were a little hindered by the people he had around him, drops and sorts like that. But I ultimately think the Panthers are going to go 7-10. and 10. Um, And like you said, it is a weak division. So with the seven playoff spots, I think that the Panthers could end up making a playoff spot. But I think they're going to go 7-10 and 10 and just miss the playoffs. Right on the money, I think that's who they're going to have at quarterback as well. It makes perfect sense for them where they draft and where they're at as a franchise. I think they're not trying to really win the Super Bowl this next year. I think that's still a few years away for them. But just with how weak that division is, 7-10 and 10 could be right there. could be 8-9 and nine and sneak in like the Bucks did last year with the playoff spot. It'll be interesting to see how that goes, but I think you're right on the money. I think that's where they're going to go with everything. Yeah, and the next one I'm going to hit here, uh, I could go with either the Broncos or the Texans, but I'm going to do the Texans first. And D'Amico Ryans, former 49ers defensive coordinator, uh, won the uh, 
what was it, assistant coach of the year, I think, uh, for the 49ers defense. Obviously, he was great. Uh, played for the Texans. Uh, he's a real young guy, like 37 or something. I think he'll be great for the Texans. Again, another young guy. He's not going to have too many expectations on him to go out there and win immediately. Hopefully they get him the right quarterback with that pick, and hopefully he can develop them. Hopefully they're not just going to go in and have another one of those shoots where he gets a year, and if they suck, then he's going to be gone because I don't think they're going to be close to competing. But if you let him try to develop, I think that they could be a very successful team in that division here within the next few years. Yeah, I think if you let him build a rapport with the team instead of pulling what the Texans do since Bill O'Brien and, you know, hiring a coach for multiple years and then firing them uh, a year later. Um, ultimately, I think they're going to stand pat at the number two pick, and I think they're going to end up with Bryce Young. Uh, I think they're going to go 4-12. and 12. Um, Again, the division they're in, not too great, but, you know, Colts are my team. I think they're a quarterback away, like I say, every year. Uh, the Jaguars are obviously on the come up with Trevor Lawrence. Titans, I don't know what's going on with them. Uh, but I do think the Texans are going to go 4-12. and I think they'll win some games. I think they'll be gritty. I think they'll play really strong for D'Amico Ryans. He kind of gives me, uh, you know, one of those players that people are fired up to play for. I think he brings a, bra- he brings a great culture to uh, the Texans, and I think ultimately that he's going to get to where he needs to be if the Texans allow him to do that. Yeah, that's the big X factor there is if they're going to allow him the time to do it or if they're going to pull the plug on him too early. Time will only tell. And then uh, we'll hit on the Broncos next here. Obviously, Sean Payton, uh, he doesn't need much of an introduction former Saints head coach, went into broadcasting a little, took some years off. Uh, The trade obviously sent to New Orleans. They think he's going to fix the problems. Uh, I think he is a great head coach, has been. Obviously, he's got the bounty system behind him. Uh, That wasn't a great look for him, but not many people remember that. I think he'll be great for the Broncos. If anybody can fix it, I think Sean Payton's up there in uh, one of those people that can. If someone can fix what they've got going on, it's definitely him. We'll see if he pulls the plug on Russell Wilson having his own private crew and private office. We'll see what goes on there. But yeah, I think that he is the right fit there. I think they overpaid to get him there, but that's a whole different thing. He's there. It's not changing. I think that he is a great fit for that team where they're at. Hopefully he can turn them around quickly. Yeah, they're kind of in all-out win-now kind of mode with what they've given up uh, as far as draft capital and monetary-wise in Sean Payton. And Russell Wilson is obviously going to be that quarterback for them. I don't think they're going to give up on him after a year with what they just gave up for him uh, capital-wise and money-wise. I do think they rebound, though. I don't think they have as strong a year as what people might think or as bad as a year as what people might think. I think they're going to go 10-7. and seven. I think they're going to slip into the playoffs as a wild card, maybe. Obviously, they play in one of the tougher divisions in all the football with the Chiefs, the Raiders, uh, and the Chargers. But ultimately, I think they're going to sneak into that uh, wild card spot there. I think one of the bigger factors for them is going to be what the Raiders end up deciding to do. You've got to play them twice a year as is. If they bring in someone like Aaron Rodgers, that could be a problem for them. But if they bring in a young quarterback, they're not very competitive. All you got to do is really face the Chiefs twice a year, and everyone else isn't 
so amazing that you're overmatched. I think they could have a chance to bounce back. 10 and 7 seems a little high to me, but I mean, if anyone can turn what was going on there around to a successful team, it's going to be Sean Payton. So I, I could see it. I don't see it being that high, but we'll see how it goes. Um, and then the other two head coaches, I'm going to hit the Cardinals just because the Colts and the Cardinals uh, hired their head coaches about the same time. Obviously, we know why they did. Jonathan Gannon, uh, Eagles defensive coordinator, they obviously had to wait until the end of the Super Bowl before they could officially hire him. Uh, there's not much I need to say on him. They had a great defense. Uh, obviously, they have a bunch of talent on that defense. Their defensive line was great. But talent isn't everything. You got to have coaches. You got to have heart. You got to have uh, people drilling into their mind what the game plan is, what they need to do. You got to get the max out of your players. And I think he was able to do that. Um, as far as him matching up with Kyler Murray, I'm not sure how that's going to go. But Kyler Murray is obviously an electric player. If you can get that right mindset into him and that right coach with him. Um, but it's going to be, uh, it's going to be weird to see how he returns from that ACL injury. Um, if he's still going to be that mobile quarterback, that little kid running around in the backfield, uh, it's just going to be something to see, but I do think Jonathan Gannon was a great hire for them. I think he was too. And I think you're right. I think it takes the right guy with the personnel to make it happen. I think the Packers defense was a prime example of the wrong person being at the helm. Even with the talent, it doesn't really matter. You're not going to succeed unless you put the right schemes together. You get the players in the right spots. Ultimately, that coach is that big X factor there. And I think that putting him on the Cardinals is a good fit. I don't know, again, if they're going to be in a position where they're ready to go. This is the one team with a new head coach signing that the quarterback's not really the question at hand here to see who's going to be there. It's just going to be how is he going to play. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, An injury like that, you never know how a player is going to bounce back. Um Big injuries like that, you can either Carson Wentz it or you can Adrian Peterson it. You're either going to come back even better or you're going to come back scared and, uh, you know, not be the same person you were before. Uh, but I do think Kyler Murray is a great player. I think he's going to have a bit more pocket presence um, instead of being so mobile. Uh, it's going to be weird to see what they do with DeAndre Hopkins. I have them sitting at either seven and 10 or eight and nine on the season, depending on what they do with the changes there. Uh, obviously JJ Watt retiring DeAndre Hopkins, supposedly on the move. Let's see what the NFL script has for them next season. See how many video games Kyler Murray plays as well. See how that goes. Yeah. Let's see how many double XP weekends are going to be right before his games. Maybe they need to play them all on like Thursday night, prime times or something like that. Um, and then the last one, obviously my team in the Colts, Shane Steichen is the guy, Eagles offensive coordinator. As you know, Colts and Eagles just swap coaches all the time. Frank Reich was our head coach. Nick Sirianni is their head coach, used to be the Colts offensive coordinator. Obviously, he had great success there. Um, I think Steichen is that guy um, from his press conference, very emotional. I think he uh, is going to invest a lot into the Colts. I think that uh, if you saw some videos of offensive meetings and things like that with the Eagles, um, he is very passionate about football, wants to get the most out of his guys. I think he's a great hire. 
I think he was the perfect fit for the job, and I wasn't sure if he was going to get to you guys. I wasn't sure if someone else was going to make that signing or not. I'm glad that the Colts ended up getting it for your sake. The big thing for him is that he's worked with Phillip Rivers in the past. He worked with Justin Herbert when he was playing at his best. Obviously, we've seen what he's done with Jalen Hurts. I think he's the good fit for you guys bringing in likely a young quarterback just to see what he can do to try to elevate them and see where he can go. Speaking of young quarterback, the Colts quarterback that I think is going to be there next year is C.J. Stroud. I think they're going to sit at number four. Um, And I think like what he did with Jalen Hurts, I think he's going to get the most out of C.J. Stroud, build that rapport up. Uh, I think he'll be great with the weapons that the Colts have there. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman, break out some Alex Pierce there. Uh, obviously you saw CJ Stroud against Georgia, although they lost, that was probably the best game he's played in his entire career against the best defense in the nation. Um, obviously I have some bias here for the Colts outlook. You're going to give me a look here when I tell you that I think they're going to go 11 and six next year. Wow. Okay. So do you have them winning the division then, or do you think the Jaguars are going to be better than that? Um, I personally think the Jaguars are going to be better than that. I think that the Jaguars are going to franchise Evan Ingram, uh, which isn't going to be much of a difference from his one year, I think like 9.6 million or something along there. Uh, Christian Kirk, obviously, uh, the draft's going to help them out. Trevor Lawrence is only going to take a step further up. Um, and I think the Jaguars are going to end up around 12 and five. I think the Colts are going to get that, uh, six seed uh in the wild card there uh but it's gonna be good to see and uh i think the colts will go 11 and 6 that's that's my final verdict there what i will say is i think that out of all of the head coaches he has the most pressure on him out of any of them outside of maybe sean payton but payton's used to the pressure i would say that steichen's definitely got the most pressure going into it where he is expected to be able to do something because like you said, a lot of Colts fans think you're a quarterback away. This is the chance to prove that we'll see how the draft goes and see if you end up with him. It depends, you know, who trades up, see if the bears trade down, but yeah, I think he's got the most pressure going into it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with uh, him having some input on who the Colts draft. I don't know if you saw the press conference or anything, but Jim Irsay came out and said he liked the guy from Alabama said he doesn't look bad. Uh, I personally think that's just him coming out and saying that maybe, you know, putting some speculation out there, trying to play his poker face. Uh, I don't think the Colts are going to trade up for that number one pick. I don't think they're going to give up that capital. Um, I think they'll sit back at number four. And like you said, he has a lot of pressure, especially with how Jim Mercedes intervened recently with uh, head coaches. I'm not a big fan of that. You hire people to do their job. Um, but at the same time, you are the owner. That is your team. You do have the final say in things, but you're right with him having the most pressure. Going on to part two here, we're going to definitely dig a little bit deeper than we have so far into some of the baseball teams here. We're going to talk about offseason additions. We're going to talk about where they're projected to be, where they were last year. Today, we're going to go ahead and hit the American League, knock out those teams, and then in our next episode, we're going to hit the National League side for you guys as well. We're going to start in the AL East, so Adam gets a little bit of uh, 
head start on talking about his team here, but we're going to go with the team with the most projected wins all the way down to the bottom. So you got to wait a little bit there. So we're going to start with the Yankees. They are set at 95 and a half as they're over under. And this was from BetMGM today as we record these current odds. So if anything happens afterwards, they could jump, could go down. We'll see. But as of right now, Yankees are sitting at 95 and a half at their over under. Last year, they had 99. Uh, this offseason, they re-signed Aaron Judge to a major contract. They re-signed Anthony Rizzo. They signed Colos Ordon to a mega deal. They signed Tommy Canely. They lost Andrew Benintendi, Matt Carpenter, Jamison Tyon, Chad Green. They didn't. They don't really have any big prospects that are supposed to come up this year to really help them. Anthony Volpe is their big guy, but he's not really projected to come up this year. If he does, it's going to be late in the year. I have them at the over. I think health is going to be huge for them. I think the Carlos Rodon signing was just what they needed, though, where they're going to have Cole and they're going to have Rodon back-to-back. But I do think that Rodon is an X factor, and I think that John Carlo coming back and being able to hit is going to be an X factor as well. But winning 99 games last year, I don't think they got any worse, so I don't see them losing four less games. Yeah, you're not wrong. Obviously, the biggest thing in the offseason was the Aaron Judge contract. It was kind of him playing up San Fran, but yeah, I think all along he knew he was going to stay a Yankee. Um, obviously, I'm a Red Sox fan, so I'm going to hit the under on that all day long. Uh, Yankees, I just see it happening again where they choke. Uh, their signings don't come into play too much. They have too much faith in IKF. Um, I think that Volpe should be up to start the year to have that shortstop position, uh, but that's just me. Uh, I do think the Yankees are going to be under. I think they're going to underperform. I don't think Rodon is going to be able to do what he did last year, and obviously I'm a big uh, Garrett Cole hater. Um, the dude's a crybaby. Uh, I don't think he's going to be good at all. I think he's going to have a uh, – maybe a sub 3-5 ERA on the year. Who would have thought we'd disagree on the Yankees? Moving on to the Blue Jays here. <laughs> 92 and a half wins is where they're sitting at, and they had 92 wins last year. So this is one of the harder lines that we're going to have to go for here. In the offseason, their big thing was that they traded for Dalton Varshow, and they traded for Eric Swanson. They traded away Teoscar Hernandez, Lourdes Gurriel, Gabriel Moreno. They signed Brandon Belt, they signed Kevin Kiermeyer. they signed Chris Bassett, but they lost Ross Stripling, Ramel Tapia. They don't really have any big prospects projected to come up, mostly because they traded away their best one for Dalton Varshow. Dalton Varshow. I'm still hitting their over. I think they got better overall. I think that plugging in Dalton Varshow, he's a very, very underrated player, and I think that he's just as good, if not better, than Teoscar Hernandez was out there. And along with that, you have uh, you have Chris Bassett coming in. And Jose Barrios cannot be as bad as he was last year. If he is, then he's not going to be a major league pitcher anymore. So getting another pitcher plus getting Barrios back in, I don't think they're any worse. I could see them being a win better. I don't see them being much better. It's one of the tougher lines to be. But I think they're going to sit right around that like 93 to 95 win mark. Yeah, I'm hitting the over on that too. Uh, I'm a big Dalton Varsho fan. Um, he is a phenomenal player. If you've seen him play, I have watched games of him play. He is that guy. And like you said, I think he's going to be able to easily replace Teoscar Hernandez. 
Vlad Guerrero Jr. is going to have a better season than he did last year. They obviously have Bo Bichette. Uh, I think they're going to bring it all together. And I personally think they are going to win the division this year. I think they're going to win the AL East. Moving to the next one here, we've got the Rays. The Rays are one of the more complicated ones as well for me. They're at 88 and a half as their over-under. Last year, they were at 86, but they were a very, very injury-ridden team last year. They were probably the most injured team in the league. This offseason, they signed Zach Eflin. They signed Kevin Kelly. They lost Corey Kluber, David Peralta, and Kevin Kiermeyer. Uh, they brought in Curtis Be- Curtis Mead and Taj Bradley are expected to come up. They're two of their top prospects. Uh, they're the number one and two overall prospect, actually. Third base and pitcher there. I'm hitting their over just because I think that they're much better than an 86-win team last year, as is. But they had Brandon Lau out most of the year. Wander Franco was hurt for most of the year. Tyler Glasnow was out most of the year. Just getting them back, plus bringing in Zach Eflin, I think that they're going to be perfectly fine. And I think that they can easily top 86 wins. I think they're going to be right around that 90 mark. I'm hitting the over on them as well. I think Shane McClanahan and Tyler Glasnow are going to be the best one-two punch in the AL East, better than Rodon and Cole. Um, again, health is a big thing. If they stay healthy, they are one of the scariest teams there is to face. Uh, I'm telling you this being how my Red Sox are in that division. Um, I'm hitting the over all day long on them. If Randy Rosarena can come back and put a terrible season behind him, I think uh, he can lead the charge for him offensively uh, with Wander Franco. And I think uh, they're going to be over. I think they're sitting at about 95 wins on the year. Ooh. The Orioles are the next team. They are at 77 and a half. And last year they had 83 wins. This offseason, their front office said they were going to significantly increase the payroll. They did no such thing. They signed Adam Frazier as their big sign-in of the offseason. Kyle Gibson was brought in. Michael Givens was brought in. Then they traded for James McCann and Cole Irvin. But they lost Jordan Lyles. They lost Brett Phillips. They lost Jesus Aguilar. The big X factor for them is that prospects Gunnar Henderson and Grayson Rodriguez should be up for the whole season. Gunnar definitely will be. Grayson may be. If not, he'll be up early and they'll get a whole season of Adley Rushman as well. I'm going with the over. I don't think they're going to do better than they did last year. I don't think they're going to be – they'll be right around 500. But they had 83 wins last year without Adley being up all year, without Gunner being up all year. I don't think they're any worse than they were. So I just – I don't see them losing like six games more next year than they did this last year. And I think Grayson Rodriguez is the best pitching prospect in the game, and he's going to come up and just dominate. Um, I'm hitting the under on them as much as I don't want to. The Orioles uh, front office did not do enough to convince me that they should be on the over on that side. Obviously, you know how much I love Adley Rushman. I think he's going to be the best catcher in the league next year. Um, I think they're going to be extremely fun to watch, but I also think they're going to be inconsistent. Uh, again, a lot of those young guys, uh, um, people are worried about maybe a sophomore slump for Adley. I'm not at all. I think the dude is phenomenal. I think he's going to put himself there, solidify himself as that number one catcher. Grayson Rodriguez, again, going to be a phenomenal pitcher. Gunnar Henderson, top prospect. But, again, they're going to be inconsistent. 
consistent. They didn't do enough. They didn't bring enough veteran presence. I just don't think they're going to hit that over on that. Their pitching is their biggest problem, and I think if Grayson Rodriguez comes up and dominates like I think he will, I think they're going to be fine. Like I said, I don't think they're going to be competing for a playoff spot like they were last year, but I don't see them being six games worse, and that's just why I ended up going with the over there. It's going to be close. I could see them being somewhere in that like 79 to 81 win range, but I just don't see them being at 77 or less. Moving on to your squad here, we've got the Red Sox last in the AL East. They are at 77 and a half as they're over under last year. They had 78 wins. So they're pretty much right on that same mark this off season. They've had maybe the most movement out of all these teams. So sign in, they signed Masataka Yoshida from Japan. They signed Justin Turner. They signed Adam Duvall. They signed Jorge Alfaro. They signed Corey Kluber. They signed Kenley Jansen. They signed Chris Martin. They signed Joely Rodriguez. They then traded for Richard Bleer and they traded for Alberto Mondesi. But, they lost Sander Bogarts, they lost Rich Hill, they lost Michael Waka, they lost J.D. Martinez, they lost Nathan Yolvaldi, Tommy Pham, Matt Strom, and Eric Hosmer. Ultimately, I don't see them being better than they were last year, and that is why I went with the under. It's not because I think they're that much worse, I just don't think they're any better. I think the rotation has huge, huge, huge issues because of all the injury risk. I think the only one that's been consistently healthy is Nick Pavetta, and he's not that great. Ultimately, I just don't think adding a bunch of basically utility men and then Masataka Yoshida around that squad after losing Xander, I don't think it makes you any better. I think Tristan Casas could put them over that a little bit, but I just I see them being under because I don't see them better than last year after losing their best player. I am smashing the over on this. Smashing. Give me 105 wins on the year. I think the Red Sox are going to make it to the World Series. I think they're winning it all. They finished last last year. You know what that means. Turn around and they're winning it all this year. Uh, Yoshida, I have high expectations for that man. I think he's going to put on a clinic in the World Baseball Classic. I think Justin Turner is going to replace J.D. Martinez. Bring less power, but more contact. I think Kike Hernandez is going to have a bounce back season. Trevor Story and Chris Sale, obviously, if they can get healthy, that's going to be insane for them. Obviously, they're great players. Chris Sale, the Slim Reaper, come on now, give me that. Uh, Corey Kluber, former Cy Young winner, if he can stay healthy. Uh, who else do they have here? Uh, James Paxton, if he can stay healthy. A lot of these guys are if they can stay healthy. Adalberto Montesi, put him where Xander Bogarts was. If he can stay healthy, uh, give me 40 steals on the year for that man at a at a 275 clip, maybe 20 homers on the year. Tristan Cassis, give me 35-plus homers on the year. Devers, close to that 50 clip uh, with 105 RBIs plus. Uh, he's going to have over 1,000 OPS on the year. Um, you know, we're solidifying it. We're calling it now. Smash the over, like I said, 105 wins on the year. Give me it. Two things before we just move on to the AL Central and not worry about it. Who would have thought that the Yankees and Red Sox were our two biggest disagreements in the division? Second, that take right there is why we're called Oblivious Sports. <laughs> Moving on to the AL Central. <laughs> the Guardians. They are at 87 and a half on their over under. Last year, they had 92 wins. They didn't have a 
lot of big offseason things, but I think they did the I think they did the trick. They signed Josh Bell, they signed Mike Zanino, they signed Sam Gallagher, a couple other triple A type guys with major league roster invites. They lost Luke Mai. That's it. So they really have the same team, but they kind of fixed their holes at DH and catcher. They were missing power last year. That was the main thing. You get into a fight with the Yankees. If you can't hit a couple homers, you lose. And that's why they didn't advance. I think they fixed those holes and I'm smashing the over at 87 and a half. They're in way too weak of a division. They got better. They didn't get five games worse. They got better. Give me 93, 90 to 93 to 95 wins for them. Ooh, the Guardians are a tough one for me. I like a lot of players on the Guardians. I want to hit the under on them. Um, I say the under because I think they're going to sit right at about that 87 win mark. See, here's uh, the thing with them is... Hey, I'm hit- not done with my take yet, sir. <laughs> uh, Jose Ramirez, uh, obviously best third baseman in the league. Way better than Nolan Arenado. Um, what else do we have here? Um, health is a big issue, like a lot of the other teams. Uh, they don't have a lot of moves that they made in the offseason. I like a lot of their players. I think Stephen Quam is a, a great guy. I think he's contact heavy. I love him. Um, but I just don't think they made enough moves. Obviously, they have Shane Bieber. He didn't have the most fantastic year last year, uh, but he'll rebound. But again, I just don't think they made enough moves for me to hit that over. For me, it's just they won 90-plus games in the week division last year. I know that they're starting to play against every team now, so they're not playing as many games against the division. But even given that, you put them at 87 or less wins, you're saying the winner of that division has 87 or less wins because no one else has taken that from them. You just wait for the takes going on to this division, sir. You just wait. White Sox, next projected team at 83 and a half wins. Last year they had 81. Their biggest free agent signing ever for the Chicago team, Andrew Benintendi. Victor Reyes was also brought in. Mike Clevenger was signed, and now he will never see the field again, but he was signed. They picked Nick Avila in the Rule 5 draft, but they lost Jose Abreu. They lost Elvis Andrews, Johnny Cueto, Josh Harrison, Danny Mendick, A.J. Pollock, Vince Velasquez, and Adam Engel. I'm hitting the under on this all day. Last year they lost, or last year they won less games than this anyways, and they got significantly worse in my opinion. They lost their team captain in Jose Abreu. They lost several kind of fill-in pieces, and they didn't bring anyone in to replace those. The injured players that are coming back with like Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, it can help a lot. I just don't think it's going to be enough for them to do much. I don't think they're going to end up above 500, so I'm definitely not hitting them at 84 wins. They're relying on too many bounce-back seasons, and I just I don't see it happening after losing their team captain and their most consistent player in that. Smash the over for me. Smash it all day long. Like I said with the other Sox team, give me health. Get rid of that ta- that cancer and Tony La Russa. Uh, God awful. Hate that guy. Worst there ever was. Um, health, health, health. I think Michael Kopech is going to have a fully healthy season. Going to win, uh, Cy Young. Uh, mark it for me now. Yoan Moncada is going to come back. Going to have a great season. Going to swipe 20 bags. Have an OBP over 400. 
Uh, Eloy Jimenez, uh, gonna have a great season. Um, Luis Robert there too. It's gonna be great. Just give me the White Sox every day of the week. Writing down the day of episode four where Adam picks Michael Kopech for Cy Young. We'll see how that goes at the end of the year. Moving on to the Twins here. They had 78 wins last year. They're set for 82 and a half this year. They re-signed Correa to a six-year deal. They signed Joey Gallo. They signed former Red Sox Christian Vasquez. They then traded for Kyle Farmer and traded for Pablo Lopez and traded away or traded for Michael A. Taylor. They did tra- trade away Luis Arias and they lost Gary Sanchez, Dylan Bundy, and Chris Archer. Overall, though, I'm hitting the over. And I'm hitting the over because at 78 wins last year, they had very, very poor pitching. And they brought in debatably, actually not debatably, the best pitcher on their current team. You bring in their own ace. You give me health for Brian Buxton. You're talking health, health, health for all these teams. You give me a healthy season of Brian Buxton, and by healthy season for him, I mean give him 100-plus games. That's all you can ask for. And then Joey Gallo is their big X factor. If he can even remotely find himself again, that team is going to be scary, and I think they could compete with the Guardians at that point. But give me over 82.5 all day of the week after those sign-ins. Uh, this is the reason I hit the under on the Guardians. Give me the over on the Twins as well. Byron Buxton, phenomenal player. I think he has Mike Trout potential um, if he can stay healthy. A lot of these things are based on health here. I know this. Um, Joey Gallo, one of my favorite players in the league. I think he's going to have a great comeback season. Uh, if he can stay healthy and actually see the ball and make contact with it, he's a uh, lock for 40 homers. Um, give me it all day on the over. That's all the exciting teams we've got in that division. Let's quickly go through the uh, lesser teams here. It could still be interesting what we think on the over-unders. The Detroit Tigers, they're set for 69.5 on their over-under. Last year, they had 66 wins. They signed Matthew Boyd back. They signed Michael Lorenzen and then traded for Nick Mayton. Several smaller kind of replacement moves as well. Uh, But they lost Andrew Chafin, and they uh, lost a couple other guys to minor league free agent deals. Nothing terrible. Give me the under. They didn't get any better. They got worse. And they are a very bad lineup, and they need a bounce back year from way too many young guys. I know that they're currently going through and changing all of their hitting uh, kind of philosophies throughout the entire thing, which I think is going to help, but I don't think one offseason is enough to get over that and bring in Matthew Boyd and Michael Lorenzen in doesn't give me enough to say they got better. Give me the under for the Detroit Tigers. Smashing the under on that as well. Uh, much like the Orioles, um, they're going to have a, a young, fun team. Not as fun as the Orioles. Not as good as the Orioles. Uh, but I do think they did not do enough in the offseason to make them better than they were last year. Like you said, they're relying on uh, Matthew Boyd having a fully healthy season, uh, being as decent as he was last year. Um, give me the under all day long. Lastly, for the division is the Royals. They had 65 wins last year, and BetMGM has them at 68 and a half over under this year. They re-signed Zach Grinke. 
Then they signed Jordan Lyles, Ryan Yarborough, Aroldis Chapman, weirdly enough, and then traded for Josh Taylor. They didn't lose anyone off of their roster from last year. I am taking the over for the Royals, but not by a lot. I They obviously didn't get any worse. They didn't lose anybody. They brought in Aroldis Chapman, who is nothing anymore and not the greatest human being in the world, but he's still a decent reliever. Jordan Lyles and Ryan Yarborough are decent additions as well. But more importantly for me, it's that Bobby Witt had a quote-unquote bad rookie year with a 2025 season. And Vinny Pascantino is one of the more exciting players in the league as a young guy as well. Both of them playing well are going to be X-Factors, but even just even just small improvements from them can easily get them another four wins and get them to 69 wins. Give me that. Yeah, I'm hitting the over on that as well. Uh, I think they're going to hit right around uh, 72 wins on the year. I want to take another bold take here, but I already said Michael Kopech's going to win the Cy Young. That's about as bold as a take as it's going to get. I was going to say Bobby Witt for top 10 and AL MVP, which I don't think that's that terrible of a take. I think he had a great rookie season, uh, although some people may disagree. I think he can get close to that 40-40 mark. Um, He's kind of like Trey Turner with more pop to me. He's got so much speed. Um, Maybe not as slim as him, but uh, give me me the Royals over. The people that – it seems like the general public has already kind of written off Bobby Witt as a bust after a rookie season where he had a very good rookie season and very well may have won – rookie of the year in a normal year that Julio Rodriguez and Adley Rushman weren't playing out of their minds. Uh, I think he's still, his better days are definitely ahead of him. He's still improving at a new position as well. He's got incredible speed. He has the good pop and he has the contact as well. He's going to be a top candidate for Cy Young in the next few years at this point. Yeah. I, the overall day on there. Moving on to the end. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. uh, You think Bobby Woods is going to start pitching? Cause that's kind of a terrible take that he's going to win Cy Young, but that's just me. Oh, uh, yeah, that was bad. MVP. MVP. <laughs> you know what? The dude's got the skill. Give He could be a two-way player. Come on, give me it. <laughs> Position player pitching. We're starting it early. All right. AL West. Astros leading it off at 96 and a half wins. Last year, they had 106. They re-signed Rafael Montero and Michael Brantley to deals. Then they signed Jose Abreu as well. They did lose Justin Verlander in the reigning Cy Young. They lost Christian Vasquez, Trey Mancini, and Oledmus Diaz as well. Even given those, give me the over at 96 and a half wins. They obviously aren't a hundred. They're, they're worse than they were last year in that point, but they did replace Yuli Guriel with Jose Abreu. That's 30 homers and a hundred plus RBIs right there. Um, Hunter Brown coming up, a young dude that is my early pick for Rookie of the Year going into this year. I know Gunnar Henderson's going to be the favorite, but I really like Hunter Brown going into it. They may have gotten a little worse, but they didn't get 10 wins worse. Give me the over. They'll win 97 plus. They'll probably still win 100. (sighs) Give me the over by half a game. I think they're going to hit about 97 uh, like you said, they got worse. I don't think they got much worse, but I think they got worse. You can't lose Justin Verlander and get better. Um, unless you're maybe the Rangers. And if you brought lost Justin Verlander and brought in Jacob DeGrom, that, that might be a fair trade-off. Um, 
But yeah, give me the uh, over just by half a game. Astros are obviously a dynasty, you could say, over the past five to seven years. I hate them still. Do not like them, especially, uh, you know, being the Red Sox are in the AL. We face them in the playoffs quite a bit. Just don't like them. Don't like who they are. I used to love them, but like I said, don't. Uh, everybody can give me beef over, get over the cheating scandal. Everybody cheats. No, I hate them still, especially with how, how little the league came at them. But yeah, 97 wins is what I'm giving them. I'm surprised you haven't talked more about the new rumors that are out there in that book that show that the Dodgers were apparently right in the middle of all that as well in the league new and didn't say anything. I don't know if you've seen that or not. It's been on social media. It's been all over Twitter and stuff, but that's a whole, that's a whole nother topic. Uh, yeah, the cheating scandal. I mean, I don't like the Astros any more than anyone else, but they're doing it better than anyone else in the league right now. I don't see them being 10 wins worse than they were last year. Yeah, listen, listen. On that Dodgers thing, I just want to talk real quick about that. We we had a small discussion about this. I think every team cheats to an extent, so I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. But if it gets caught and made public like it was with the Astros, I think you got to come down harder on them, especially with how they cheated. Um, I do think that if someone said the Dodgers cheated, then there's a, a – Probably a probably uh, there's a probability that they did cheat just because every team probably cheats to an extent. Um, but I think that the league probably did know, and with how light they came down on the Astros and how public that was and all the backlash that they got from that, how light they came down on them, I think the league did know and they hushed it just because they didn't want another scandal out there. Moving on to the next team here, we've got the Mariners. They are at 88 and a half as they're projected over under. Last year, they had 90 wins. They signed AJ Pollock this offseason. They signed Tommy LaStella, Trevor Gott, and then they traded for Teoscar Hernandez and Colton Wong. They did trade away Jesse Winker and Eric Swanson, and they lost Adam Frazier, Carlos Santana, Mitch Hanniger, Luke Weaver, Kirk Casale, and Matt Boyd to free agency. Even given those, give me the over at 88 and a half all day, the, all day. They are going to get a full year of Luis Castillo, who they traded for at the deadline. They filled a major hole in the outfield there with Teoscar Hernandez. The dude is unbelievable. I know that Dalton Varsho, I think, is a better fit in Toronto, but I think that Teoscar Hernandez is very good, and he's going to be perfect behind Julio Rodriguez. And then Colton Wong, he's not the best player in the league, but he's a very good fielder. And I think that he's perfect for that hole there at second base for them. They might have lost Mitch Hanniger, but I think T. Oscar is going to be a perfect replacement for him. Give me the over. I don't think they're any worse than they were last year. They'll be right around that 90 win mark again. Uh, give me the over on that as well. Uh, I see them being great. 93, 94 wins probably for me. Julio Rodriguez, you already know what I think about the guy. Uh, he's fantastic. Again, like a Byron Buxton player, you know, you got to go to comparisons is always going to be the best player in the league. And that's Mike Trout. I think eventually he's going to be better than Mike Trout here in probably say a year or two. Uh, but Mike Trout is still that guy. Um, Julio Rodriguez, obviously they lost Mitch Hanniger, which is a big loss. But like you said, they got Teoscar Hernandez, full season of Luis Castillo. I think they're going to be better than they were with Julio Rodriguez leading the way on that. 
the Texas Rangers had the biggest jump from last year's numbers to this year's projected over under. They are at 82 and a half on this year's line. They had 68 wins last year. They re-signed Martin Perez. Then they went out and they signed a guy named Jacob deGrom. They signed Nate Uvalde. They signed Andrew Heaney and Danny Duffy. They then traded for Jake Odorizzi as well. They lost Matt Moore and Dallas Keuchel, which aren't really that big of losses anyways. But they got significantly better. Even though they are significantly better, I am still taking the under here. They signed some very, very good players, but you can't assume health for DeGrom at this point. When he's on the field, he's going to be the best player, the best pitcher in the league. But even given that, you're talking a 15-win increase. And with that lineup being as top-heavy as it is with those killer middle infielders and Nate Lowe on the team, I don't think they're that much better yet. But give me a couple years, and I think they're going to be right there contending with everyone in the AL West. Uh, uh, Smashing the over on this. Uh, DeGrom, best pitcher in the league. I think it's uncontested. Obviously, you know, health is a big factor, but they got significantly better. I think they got at least 20 wins better, at least. Uh, So give me right around that 88, 87 win mark, maybe even 90. I think their free agent signings from the year prior are going to pay off more than they did last year. I think the signings they made this year are going to pay off very well. Uh, Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, Nate Lowe, uh, very good players. I think uh, things are just going to come all together for them. Smash the over. Give me about 88 wins. I have a feeling we'll disagree on this next one based on that then. The Angels, 81 and a half wins is their projected mark. Last year they had 73, so another big jump as well. They signed Brandon Jury. They signed Brett Phillips, Tyler Anderson, Carlo Estevez. Then they traded for Hunter Renfro, Gio Rochella. They did lose Michael Lorenzen and Archie Bradley. Prospect Logan O'Hoppy is supposed to be up and be huge for them this year as well. I went with the over, and the reason I went with the over is because the Angels did what the Angels haven't done in years, and that's fill the holes that they needed to surround Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. They brought in pieces rather than trying to bring in that one big guy. I think Logan Ahapi is going to come up and be huge for them. If they're healthy, they're going to be above a 500 team. So I'm definitely taking them at 82 wins. I think if Otani stays healthy, he's a top 10 Cy Young candidate and will be right there at MVP again. If Trout can play 130, 140 games, give me 40 to 50 home runs from him as well. And the big X factor for them is obviously Anthony Rendon. He hasn't been healthy. You can't assume health, but this is the first offseason he's come into fully healthy, ready to roll in quite some time. If he is even a above-average third baseman, he can be a top-five third baseman, but if he's an above-average third baseman, that's another major hole filled for them. With all their tiny pieces that they added in, give me the over. They're going to be a 500-plus team. They can be competing for a wild-card spot. Um, Give me the over. Give me the over at about 85 wins is what I'm what I'm thinking here. I think the Angels have everything to lose this season if they don't make the playoffs. They have Mike Trout getting disgruntled. They have Shohei Otani leaving. They have another laugh-in-your-face signing in Anthony Rendon if he doesn't pay off. Uh, like you said, they finally did some... They finally did something for their pitching. Um, 
and they finally got some smaller pieces instead of going out and, you know, signing that Anthony Rendon, that Josh Hamilton. Uh, give me uh, the over on about 85 wins. I think uh, Rendon is going to be healthy again. I think he's going to be a top 10 third baseman. Uh, Mike Trout. I'm going to say right about 110 games. I think they're going to think they're going to play him a little less, maybe give him the LeBron effect, uh, maybe let him miss some games uh, in terms of, you know, sitting out some. Shohei is going to be on top of his game again. Uh, probably going to finish top five in MVP if he can do anything like he did remotely close to last year. Yeah, give me uh, 85 wins on the Angels. We can hit the last one pretty quick because they're probably the least enjoyable team to watch in the league at this point. Under, smash the under. Smash the under. Give me the under for them. They're at 59 and a half. Last year they had 60 wins. They quickly signed Jesus Aguilar, Chase Peterson, Aledmis Diaz, Drew Rosinski, Shimatiro Fujinami from Japan, Trevor May, and they traded for Chad Smith, Manny Pena, and Asturio Ruiz, J.J. Blade. And then they lost Chad Pender, Stephen Piscotti, Jed Lowry, Cole Urban, or Urzen, AJ Puck. You can bring in as many little pieces as you want. That team and that pitching, it's terrible. Give me 115 losses for this team at this point. Their lineup is horrible. I do really like Asturio Ruiz, who they brought in. I think he's going to be good. Um, but even with that, their rotation's terrible. Their lineup's terrible. Give me the under all day. Give me 40 wins max on the year. 40 max. Athletics are anything but. They are anything but athletic. Not even remotely. Fire the whole front office. Fire everybody. The league needs to minimize, not expand. They need to take out the team. They need to split it in half or do something. They need to just... Uh, put some white out over the athletics. They need to do something. I am tired of this. They are the opposite of the Mets and Stephen Cohen. Uh, they are what is wrong with the league and non-competitiveness. I think uh, that if they don't sign anybody next year, don't make any moves next year, I think the rest of the MLB owners, uh, besides maybe the Orioles owner, need to come together and force this man out. They need to get rid of the owners well, I'm glad in the end there we could come to one similar conclusion here. Uh, that's the AL. Obviously, we've got the entire NL to cover still, and we're going to hit that in our next episode. There's just way too much to talk about with most of these teams to be able to hit it all in one episode. So our next episode will bring you some more football content as well, but then we're going to hit the rest of those the, those teams. We're going to hit the National League. I've got some fun takes on that side. Obviously, Adam had some very interesting takes over here in the AL. Give me Michael Kopech for Cy Young. Give me Red Sox at 105 wins as the yes, most sir. in the league. Yes, sir. We'll see how those pan out as the season goes on. But that's all for today's episode. Again, give us a follow on Twitter at Oblivious Sport. We're going to get some YouTube out there here soon as well. We're going to get some TikTok content out there going as well. It would mean a lot if you can give us a follow on all of our different stuff. Share our stuff. You know, we're still really small. We're still working on everything. But anything that you would like to hear going into the MLB season, going out of the NFL season, getting close to the NBA playoffs, hit us with some comments. Let us know what you want to hear. But we are definitely excited going into the season and going out of the NFL season. Yeah, guys, uh, any publicity we can get, whether it's good or bad, 
uh, we'll take it at this point. Um, you, you know, if you don't like Ramey's voice or my voice, say something about it. Sucks to be you, but uh, you, you could say something about it. Give us your opinion on stuff. Uh, you know, tell us what you think. We'll put it out there. Let us know what you guys want to hear. Um, the worst we can do is tell you no. I mean, we could probably tell you worse, but, you know, we won't. We like our fans. We want our fans. We do this for you guys. Um, you know, just reach out to us on all our social media platforms. Let us know what you think. Get some information out there. Uh, I don't care if you have two friends, three friends, and if they have no friends, talk to them about it. Uh, we we are here for you guys. We do this for the fans and for the people that want to come enjoy sports. And with that, thank you, everybody. We'll be back early next week with the NL teams.